Welcome to Achieving Frictionless Commerce, a podcast series brought to you by Vertex, where tax and IT experts discuss how you can create a frictionless buying experience that will better support your customers and drive future growth for your organization, as well as the surprising way that tax plays a part. Developing a smooth buying experience is a necessity for today's businesses. It's no longer an option. For IT leaders that are challenged with making this happen, the good news is that there is help out there. Welcome to Achieving Frictionless Commerce. My name is Jeremiah Aoyang, a tech analyst and entrepreneur based in Silicon Valley and your MC. Join me and my guests, experts from Vertex, a leading global provider of indirect tax software and solutions in our six-part podcast series. Together, we will discuss what the term frictionless commerce means right now, what you can do to minimize any barriers in your customer journey, and the best steps to take that will lead to long-term organizational growth. We will also take a deeper dive into the somewhat surprising ways that tax plays a major role in reducing friction and give you a few powerful examples of at least one retailer who used tax software to do just that. Today, I'm joined by Peter Lande, Director of Retail Consulting at Vertex. Peter joins us to help you understand what frictionless commerce means today and how it's changing and how tax plays a role. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeremiah. I had a chance to look at your very impressive background, but I'd love to hear from you about your role within IT, retail, and even consulting. Well, what brought you to this place in life? It's <laughs> a great question. It's a very loaded question, Jeremiah. I am the, the director of consulting within Vertex Consulting. My group is responsible for what we call vertical solutions. And what that really means is anything that's industry specific. So that means obviously retail. I also am responsible for our professional services in the areas of leasing and telecommunications. I've been with Vertex for going on 11 years now. And prior to that, I spent 10 years at IKEA responsible for their point of sale systems in North America. So I come from more of an IT background. We were a Vertex customer, so that's how I kind of got looped into the Vertex world. But most of my experience has been within the retail space. Yes. And that's an amazing retailer to come to at great scale. So I have a question for you, Pete, just to help frame this for the audience here. What does it mean when we say frictionless commerce? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really prevalent buzzword right now. So I think maybe a little bit overused, but we could probably start by just defining what friction is, right? So, and we define friction in, in the context of retail as, as every extra step in the shopping experience that stands between the customer and the intended purchase, right? So anything... Some of it's necessary, some of it is redundant, some of it is inefficient, but friction is any step along the way. So that said, what's frictionless commerce? In simple terms, the goal of frictionless commerce is for any customer to buy a product or service whenever and wherever they want with as few clicks or steps as possible, right? It's gotta be easy, it's gotta be seamless. It's gotta be to the point where it's almost intuitive, right? It's just, it's a natural flow of things. So removing those points of friction And making it efficient is sort of the ultimate goal of frictionless commerce. Pete, how does frictionless commerce affect customer experience? Maybe the opposite way to look at it is how does friction itself affect customers, right? It it can leave them frustrated. It can leave them frustrated to the point where they abandon the shopping cart or worst case is the customer that doesn't come back at all. 
Right. So you think of customers, and we're all sort of accustomed to this sort of digital way of shopping nowadays. Customers who don't need that extra time or support to make the purchase. It's something they've bought before. You're a retailer that they've purchased from before because they're repeat customers. So you think of, you know, one extreme, like Amazon's one-click buying. I mean, you can't get any simpler than that. So uh, from a customer experience standpoint, it really is just, I don't even have to think about it, right? I just, I want it, I buy it, and I don't have those extra clicks, as we talked about, standing in my way. You might have just answered this, but we'll go with this again. Uh, What does efficiency and consistency look like? Yeah, and that's another great question. And it's one of those things where you don't realize it when it works. You really, it really becomes evident when it doesn't work. So when things are not efficient, it really sticks out right nowadays. So you think of like, we, I mentioned Amazon's one click, but you think of things like ride sharing apps, like Uber and Lyft. You just basically request a ride. It knows where you are. It sends you the make, model, and color of the car that's coming to pick you up. It's so natural nowadays that if if it were to be anything less than that, it would really stick out, right? So other examples are like renting a car. You show up at the airport, the app tells you what parking spot it's in, what make, model, and car you have, and and away you go. You don't even need to stop at the rental car desk. So it's experiences like that where the customer experience, again, is it seamless and as simple as it possibly can be that it sort of almost integrates into your everyday life. You don't even think twice, right? It just kind of flows with the natural progression of things. I get you. You know what this reminds me of is kind of like public utilities. I turn on the light switch, the the power's on, the lights are on. I, I, I turn the faucet and the water's there, the hot water's there, the cold water's there. And that to me is frictionless, right? So to achieve that, I mean, we've had thousands of years of engineers building public utilities, but how would retailers, how would they do this? And what are the challenges that they're struggling with to achieve frictionless commerce? Jeremiah, that utility analogy is like spot on. It's perfect because it you turn the water on, you turn the light switch on. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes, but it's come to a point where those providers sort of have knocked down the silos that exist in getting that water to you and getting that electricity to you. I mean, if you look at, think of friction to the customer, it's usually caused by friction within the internal processes, right? There are different disparate systems having to communicate with one another. And there's probably a lot of back and forth between those systems. And maybe the process takes a long time or there are too many disjointed steps. I like to use the word clunky when I'm on a website and it just doesn't make much sense or, you know, the the steps seem out of order. I'm I'm having to enter the same information multiple times at different points in that checkout process. It's not a great customer experience. All of that friction internally is inevitably visible to the customer, whether there has to be silos and, you know, probably their necessity to have silos within your organization. Making those invisible to the customer, I think, is the biggest challenge. But when it works, it works. Like I said, if it, when it doesn't work, it is so obvious. So having those internal processes and internal systems work and play well together internally will translate into the customer having a very seamless experience in turn. So that's kind of, it's got to start in the back office. It's got to start behind the scenes. Well said, Pete. As my friends like to say, a lot of paddling beneath the surface, even though the, the duck might be looking very smooth, just gliding along the water. Now, speaking of that, uh, making things look easy or paddling hard, the last two years have been a, a significant amount of changes with the quarantine and COVID. How do you think that has impacted, whether it's um, helped things or accelerated frictionless commerce and shopping habits in general? Great question. I mean, the pandemic with the shift from digital to cross-channel shopping experiences like curbside pickup and contactless checkout, 
has forced retailers to streamline almost every part of that journey and integrate channels in ways they've never really had to before or never really been pressured to. At the beginning of the pandemic, you know, at the start of the lockdowns and the store closures, I think customers were a little more patient with this clunkiness, if you will, right? Because they knew that these new ways of shopping were new to everybody. Customers were trying to get used to this whole digital only type of world as well. And we were we as customers were were a little more forgiving. You know, we weren't upset that there weren't dedicated parking spots for curbside pickup in my local Target, right? And now you see start to see that like whole aisles with painted lines and everything like that. But now customers, I think, are no longer viewing this sort of seamlessness as a differentiator or a nice to have. It's almost become an expectation or a requirement. You know, shopping was previously most of the time a pretty single channel experience. You know, I, I walked into a store bought it online. You know, I could start in one channel and end in another channel. So Bopus, you know, buy online, pick up in store where I start online and end up at the store or the, the reverse where, you know, I start my journey at the store. They don't have what I want in the color and style and size that I need. And then I end up having the store ship it to my house or sort of this endless aisle concept that was, you know, started years ago, but now it's kind of really come to the forefront as we're dealing with supply chain shortages we're dealing with retailers trying to minimize the physical footprint of stores. You know, we've all read about the demise of shopping malls, et cetera. So it's a different world. So I think these things, of course, these problems and challenges existed before, but the pandemic accelerated these things and really magnified the cross-channel opportunities and in turn magnified the friction points. Uh, you bring up a lot of great points. Uh, I also noticed even just with point of purchase now, now, mobile payment has just become a standard, at least in my region, which is a form of frictionless, right? And and you have a background with that at, with point of sale. Yes. All right. So maybe you can help us give some practical tips to those that are listening. What about flexibility, scalability, and security? You know, removing those barriers of friction between the physical and digital experiences that you were just talking about. Um, how could we make commerce easy? I think what has happened is obviously there's those hard tangible things that have changed, right? These channels and like new ways of shopping and things like that. But I think the pandemic also brought sort of a different mindset. Yeah, the pandemic accelerated the move to digital and omni-channel cross-selling opportunities, but also made retailers realize there are endless possibilities. You can use channels in any combination and there are constantly new channels and still emerging, right? You think of internet of things like smart devices, like refrigerators where I can purchase a gallon of milk right for my fridge in-car apps, you know, services like the food delivery services. I mean, you know, it's just opened up Pandora's box of all these different ways of buying things. And all of these solutions have to be flexible and scalable, of course, and, and secure while still maintaining that seamless, frictionless customer experience. But I think one of the biggest takeaways, at least in my opinion, my observation is that the pandemic forced retailers to rethink their processes to stop being so reactive to disruptors like the pandemic but envision new opportunities to meet their customers. They're almost anticipating mixing and matching these different channels. What kind of new combination can I come up with? And all of that friction that existed within the channels, they need to be removed, of course. But then you have to start looking at the friction between the channels and having that seamless customer experience starts with having a seamless seamlessness between the channels and all of the systems within those channels. Pete, let's bring this to life. Let's imagine, and I need your help to articulate this. Let's imagine we're going to go through a customer buying journey. And let's talk about what a friction experience would be versus a frictionless. So before we shop, what's actually happening in the customer's mind? 
if you're talking about shopping online, obviously there's advantages to shopping online than, than in person, right? The search capabilities are there, right? I don't have to physically walk the aisles of the store and find my product. And other things that are helpful to customers in an online environment is customer reviews. It's huge. So anything that this isn't specifically speaking to the friction part of it, but there are parts of an online journey that might want to have multiple touch points, or you might want to have extra steps that you wouldn't have in a, in a physical experience, right? So having those customer reviews that I can read, and I use those all the time. I don't, who, I don't, I don't know anyone who doesn't. Yeah, me too. Right? And then also, you know, we've all shopped online and seen those suggested related products. People who have bought this item have also bought this item. So that's also another part of that online journey that it can cause more friction, but if it's done right, if you do integrate it with the experience, I think that's the key to frictionless commerce is not removing functionality or removing parts of that journey. It's integrating it in such a seamless way that it's just the natural progression of things, right? So I go to check out or I go, I fill my shopping cart online and all these suggestions pop up, right? And they're kind of related. I'm like, oh yeah, I could definitely do that. Or, you know, take it a step further is bundle it, right? So for one price, you can get the monitor with the computer, with the mouse, with the keyboard or whatever you're buying, right? So, you know, it, you can, it kind of opens it up to more selling opportunities for retail. And if you do it right, the customer isn't even doesn't realize that you, you are actually upselling them. It's just an extension of the purchase. So I think there's a lot of opportunities and it all starts with reducing the friction, right? You just want to mimic the customer's thought process. You just want to steer them in a way without them feeling like they're being steered. Makes total sense. Pete, how does tax play into the items that we just discussed? Tax, of course, is part of that shopping experience, especially in this digital world. The correct tax calculation is depending on multiple factors, what you're buying, where it's being shipped from, where it's being shipped to, where is the or where is the customer picking it up if it's in a BOPIS type of scenario. But because the sales tax calculation is based on all those data points that were already determined and it's happening at the end of that checkout process, it is ripe for friction. Can all of that previously determined information be leveraged seamlessly into the tax determination? Right, I already know where I'm shipping the order to the customer because obviously I need to get the customer their order. I need to also leverage that same information to determine the tax jurisdictions that I need to calculate tax for, items in the cart, are there discounts involved? All of those things that kind of happened along that checkout process need to be incorporated in the tax calculation. So you know, it's kind of, you know, taxes at the end, it's got to accumulate all of that information uh, to provide an accurate tax calculation. Also, it needs to be, and I talked about across the channels, it also needs to be consistent across those channels. Does your sales tax solution support both your digital channels as well as your brick and mortar point of sale? Because historically, retailers were, were very siloed with the channel. So, you know, point of sale had its own tax calculation solution. E-commerce might have its own tax solution. Maybe I sell on a marketplace as well, and they have their own tax calculation solution. So to bring all of those channels together, right, you need to start with the things that are common. And tax is obviously common across all of those types of purchasing. That's how ta but tax can play a role in reducing that part of the friction. So what does this mean for our friends, the IT professionals? Yeah, I mean, ideally having a single unified tax solution across all the channels means consistency to the customer, but to the IT team, it also means efficiency and removing friction internally. 
into IT and I've lived this, lived that world where I've sat in those shoes. There's nothing like nails on a chalkboard, like redundancy, like having multiple systems doing the same thing. It's painful because now I have to maintain two different systems. And if they're doing the same thing, it's, it's inefficient, right? Frictionless tax means that a single source of the truth for both rates and rules. So as rates change, you know, jurisdictions increase their rates I and mean, they rarely go down, but if they, go, they go up. I have to change it in X number of systems, right? So it's having a single tax solution means one place to update the rate changes, one place to update the registrations of the retailer. So we, for those familiar with the tax world, you know, Wayfair kind of redefining how you determine nexus. It's not just based on physical presence anymore. It's also based on economic nexus, which means number of transactions or dollars in sales in a certain jurisdiction will force that retailer to register. So all these things are kind of these moving parts are all changing. You know, having that single tax solution means a single source of the truth, not just for rates and calculating tax, but also on the compliance side, the source of truth for transactional data, right? A consolidated holistic view across all of your channels in a particular jurisdiction, right? Give me all the sales tax I charge in California, not only for my brick and mortars, but all of, so for e-com, maybe, maybe I have a mobile app that's sort of a separate channel, marketplaces, et cetera. So all of those channels, you know, having that holistic view for compliance, uh, you know, those monthly filings with the jurisdictions, audit defense, internal analysis, et cetera, right? It's just a more efficient way to do it. How can Vertex help with these amazing ideas that you just put forward? We provide a portfolio of solutions that are, you know, used in combinations is flexible enough to be integrated with e-commerce, order management, point of sale, ERP, wherever you really need tax calculation. We provide APIs and a variety of ways to integrate with our solutions in real time. So like you would see in an e-commerce type of scenario where you need tax calculated in real time through something, maybe a shift, maybe you're shifting towards a microservices type of architecture. We also provide data-only solutions where we would provide tax rate and rule content for you to import into something like a point of sale and use an existing tax calculation engine, but powered by Vertex content. And finally, we've just released an offline containerized tax engine if you're looking for an edge solution. So you kind of have the best of both worlds, a hosted solution with something local or on-premise to alleviate all of the latency that's associated with networking, right? Network traffic and things like that. But regardless of if you want our solution on-premise or hosted in the cloud, a huge differentiator for us is our content, which supports product taxability for whatever you're selling, whether it's food and beverage, clothing, health and beauty items, you name it, we have content for it. And then also, so not only whatever you're selling, but wherever you're selling, we cover you know the globe with our content. And, you know, specifically in the retail space, non-traditional taxes like environmental fees, right? We're seeing a lot of those disposable bag fees and, and recycling fees and all these types of things, as well as sort of non-traditional events like sales tax holidays. That said, we have all of that content. And then lastly, to put it all together, to determine which of these solutions best fits your organization and then to partner with you to, to actually implement that solution. Vertex is unique in that we have a professional services organization, you know, the, the part of the organization that I represent, that solely focuses and specializes in retail. Most of our folks come from industry. They've worked in retail. They understand all the challenges that are unique to the retail space. 
you know, they've walked a mile in those shoes. So that that's pretty unique to us. And, and we pride ourselves in being able to understand and sort of talk the talk and walk the walk when it comes to retail. Thank you so much, Pete. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Everybody, thank you so much to Pete Olande for coming to the show today and being our first guest to discuss what frictionless commerce really means in today's retail landscape. Don't forget to join us on our next episode when we discuss the steps you can take to do a health check on the status of your IT ecosystem, including determining what friction your organization currently faces. Subscribe now so you don't miss it. I'm Jeremiah Aoyang, your MC, and thank you for listening.